are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hark the Sound is your favorite Tar Heel voice. Welcome to Locked On Tar Heels. As always, it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. I'm your host, Candace Cooper. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you download, subscribe to Locked On Tar Heels podcast from anywhere. You can also join the fun via Twitter by following at Locked On Heels or me personally at Candace D. Cooper. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. So here's what I have on tap for you guys today. We're going to talk Carolina versus Notre Dame game. Got to give you that recap. We got to grade ourselves. How did we do on those five key observations? More importantly, we got a game tonight. Carolina basketball is taking on UNLV in the Maui invite. So let's give some background about the Maui Invitational and where the heels fit in that scheme more importantly what are they going to do tonight against UNLV let's talk about that today hope you guys had a great weekend I know it is a dreary Monday morning here in the Carolinas but I'm so happy to be with you guys to recap what was a great weekend for all intents and purposes I'm honestly glad that Carolina played on Friday so it didn't ruin you know the Thanksgiving vibe for the long extended weekend we kind of got you know I didn't have to stress on Saturdays or wait for the entire 12 o'clock games to get through, get all nervous and get in my feelings and all of that stuff. I just got to, you know, enjoy a Saturday of football, watching other teams, watching Syracuse flub. It could be worse, right? You could be Syracuse having a quarterback who spikes it on fourth down, you know? But keep it in perspective. Keep it in perspective. Yes, Sam Howell got shut down in the second half of his game, but he did not spike it in the fourth quarter on fourth down with no time remaining. So there's that. Always got to keep things happy around here, right? But a game that started with so much anticipation and excitement because we all wanted to see what Sam Howell could do against a powerful defense because, to me, that was his first true test of the season. For the first half, first Notre Dame, hey, he was doing it. Howell and crew proved that they could hang with the best of them. Unfortunately, there are two halves of football. (laughs) And the Fighting Irish proved too much for the Heels as they finished the night 31 to 17. And you know what? Listen, I'll give our defense all the credit and the praise because they literally gave everything they had, right? They played a lot of young guys who were picked on (laughs) CC Tony Grimes, but still managed to make big plays when they were called upon, right? Unfortunately, there were too many three and outs and sudden change defense opportunities, which has tripped up UNC all season, and it was ultimately Carolina's undoing. Notre Dame stats, let's talk about it. Ian Book, senior quarterback for the Fighting Irish, threw for 279 yards and a score and ran for 48 yards for the squad. He couldn't, we could not wrap this man up to save our lives. Had him in some crucial third and long positions and couldn't finish the play. Had some pass interferences that were, mm, you know, I wish Tony would have just turned his head one good time. We might have been in business. But, hey, it's fine. We live to see another day. And Book also got Notre Dame to four touchdown drives of at least 75 yards with no turnovers. Now, that's how you play damn good offense, right? That's if, you know, if we're talking about going to watch film the next day, what can we do? First of all, we protect the ball. We don't make a lot of mistakes. We don't have penalties. Costs. I mean, at one point, it was like nine penalties for 90 yards for Carolina. Just can't happen. You can't win games like that against damn near perfect teams. We talked about Wake Forest and how they pretty much execute perfectly, and we would have to play our perfect game in order to beat them. And you times that by 20 
to beat a Notre Dame team, right? The Fighting Irish came in with a defense that ranked among the nation's best by allowing 85, just 85 yards rushing in 16 points. And we went above average. We got 17, so hallelujah praise. Okay, cool. But that unit came up even bigger after losing Kyle Hamilton, who was arguably one of the best defenders on the field that night. But he got called for a first-half targeting hit, sacking, which was, you know, it was targeting in my opinion. But at the end of the day, the targeting call just stresses me out because you can't ever look at or you can't ever know what intent and launching is. But at the same time, helmet to helmet hit. We're trying to take it out of the game. I get it. Whatever. That's what it is. Thought that would play to our advantage. I'm like, okay, we're eliminating people, <laughs> period. Let's let's get these guys out of here. But it didn't really – I think it made fighting Irish step up even more. They went to that whole, I'm a play for my brother kind of mentality, and that's certainly what they did. They sacked Howell six times and had him surrendering just 87 yards rushing, which we'll talk about because Javante and Michael, I got a word for y'all today too. Don't even worry about it. And I'm not trying to go hard, but I am going hard, so that's just who I am, period. Now, Mac Brown, let's hear some post-game thoughts. He's going to talk about his opening remarks where overall just how he felt about the Notre Dame game and more importantly what we did right and what unfortunately they did better. Really proud of the guys. It was a a hard-fought game against the number two team in the country. Um, Even game in the first half, even though we we just, uh, like everybody else, we weren't able to run the ball. And uh, that's something that we, we felt like we could run enough that we could protect better than we did. Uh, but you, you can't rush for 87 yards and have six sacks and, and beat anybody, much less a really, really good football team. So um, give Notre Dame credit. They're, they're really, really good. Uh, when they stepped up in the second half on defense, they, they really stepped up. I was really, really proud of our defense uh, and our kicking game. That's by far the most, uh, the best either one of them have done. Uh, our defense kept hanging in there and hanging in there, and our kicking game gave us great field position. Um, and our offense was really, really good the first half. I actually thought we'd win the game, and then Notre Dame just absolutely shut us down the second half. I'll let Phil tell you after he watches the video uh, with the offensive staff what happened. Um, you saw it. I saw it. looked like they whipped us up front. and um, they, they got too much pressure on Sam, didn't have enough time to, to get the ball to the guys, and we knew that, uh, uh, we knew that was an issue. Unless we could run the ball well enough in this game, we knew that we couldn't protect well enough to get the ball downfield, and we had to throw the ball to win the game. You know, after listening to Mac, at the end of the day, honestly, the fact that he's praising defense and special teams, which is something that he never does. (laughs) He never goes hard for those guys, and he basically was like, you know, Phil, we're going to have to look at film. We're going to have to look at film and figure out how we got shut down in the second half, and I'm sure they're going to be up early thinking about that today, but I just, yeah, I, I can believe how stern Mac was. But at the end of the day, he wants to be in the top conversation. It's always better when you win. The fact that he thought we could win the game going 17-17 into the half it proves that he really does trust and believe in these guys, and so they have to keep their heads up, right? We knew number two, Notre Dame, was going to give everything they had, and, I mean, they're pretty much in control. We're not, we're not going to front. They were in control for most of the game, but we had a shot. You know, we definitely had a shot and hopefully we'll learn from this and we'll move forward as we face, you know, another team who is has another incredible quarterback in Derrick King in two weeks. So we'll talk about that then. But I have to give you guys 
our five key observations. What did we do? How are we graded? Because, you know, we always go in the game feeling like we know what was going to go down. And unfortunately, sometimes we're right, which is not a good thing. And sometimes, you know, certain sides of the ball step up for us. And I can tell you right now, I did not think defense was going to step up in the way that they did. And I was pleasantly surprised. Let's talk about all of that next on Locked on Tar Heels. Do you ever feel like you're always on? I mean, same. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes I just need to celebrate responsibly. That's when I reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. It doesn't matter what team or sport is playing, Coors Light from Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado, is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. So coming up this week, we are going to talk Mally Invitational. We get basketball all the time. I know you guys are excited about it. More importantly, though, we have to hear from Coach Roy Williams and company about the matchups and if they're ready to face, you know, some pretty good teams as they're still trying to tune up some <laughs> little messes they have going on and trying to figure out each other and the scrimmages and having some of our senior leaders have to step up a little bit more than they did in their opening performance against College of Charleston. So you'll have all of that down the stretch this week. And again, we have another game on the football field. We've got to talk about Western Carolina and how Mac Brown is going to get the team back focused for another big win. Now, our five key observations for the Notre Dame versus Carolina football game, we have to grade ourselves, of course. I said on Friday, the defensive line had to step up, right? I said, listen, they are going to have to play the game of their life because Notre Dame's offensive line is one of the best in the country, if not arguably the best in the country. Yes, they were down with injuries, but still, it, it looked like Alabama lock and reload and never really fold. And that's exactly what it did. Nobody in the trenches to me really played great. Showed potential, not going to take away from them, but 56 total tackles on the day. And your leading tackler was Kyler McMichael, who is still learning his way, in my opinion, still trying to figure out his feet. And, you know, not having Chaz Surratt or Jeremiah Gimmel up in that top conversation, not having Tamon Fox in that top conversation, it's troubling for me. It's just, I mean, yes, it was not that far off in terms of tackling, you know, when it breaking down for individuals, but still. You know, I didn't, there was no jump out of the page performance from anybody. There were only two sacks on the day, Chaz and Tamon, which is cool, but you're going to need a hell of a lot more than that. They could not wrap a Christmas present if I asked them. That's my hottest take of the day. I've been waiting to say that all freaking show. <laughs> they could not wrap a Christmas present. My God, Ian Book was just getting loose. And I'm like, is he agile? Is he athletic? What is it? I just, you know, and I'm not no tea, no shade. But when I see certain people like, let's say a Daniel Jones, for example. And you're like, Daniel Jones ain't no kind of guy who has no kind of speed, period. Like, no, that's just nah. I'm not going for that. And I look at an Ian Book the same way. And I just, yeah. He proved me wrong. <laughs> Got, uh, but see, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's wheels or y'all don't know how to wrap nobody up. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't do that in spring ball because you didn't have it. So maybe y'all didn't learn how to wrap up and tackle real good. But got somebody. I swear, he he bailed the Fighting Irish out so many times. And it was so frustrating. So, so frustrating. There were 81 tackles on the day for Wake Forest. So that game, the game previously, you just had 81 tackles on the day. It means I mean, y'all only had 56 for Notre Dame. 
56? No, I'm not going for that. Like, <laughs> no, not half. No, I just, yeah. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even explain that away. How do y'all only got 56 tackles on the day? Not acceptable. Not acceptable whatsoever. Sam Howell, number two, was going to need a big performance. And unfortunately, he only went for 17 for 27, 211 yards, one touchdown. He was completely shut down in the second half. Not one point was scored. <laughs> he was rushed, and I blame that on our offensive line. I said that boy needs time, and he did not get that. <sighs> and it's unfortunate because I really want the offensive line to always do well because I'm always rooting for the big boys. I have a soft spot for the big men on the offense and defensive line because that's where the work is done. That's how you make the playmakers make plays. That's how you make all the flashy stuff look good because you give your quarterback and receivers time. You give your running backs holes and unfortunately that is just not to what they did and huh, we'll talk about not getting holes number three run game I said they would have to add to its receiving magic getting that mix because we all knew coming into the game Notre Dame shut down the rushing period there was just no good luck okay and that's exactly what they did Michael Carter only though was one for 23 while Javante Williams was two for 10 receiving but wait okay you get to shut down your best artillery unit which is rushing as I mentioned Carter was only nine for 57 and uh, Williams was 11 for 28 so 11 carries for 28 yards Javante Williams yes be hashtag feed Javante that one Boy, I tell you what, I was hot as fish grease because offensive line, you got to create some better holds. Like, what are we doing? Just, <sighs> let, me, let me stop. I need, I need to come on down. Come on down. Right, right, right. Cool. I'm coming down. Number four, four strong quarters. Fast start. I said we have to have a consistent second quarter. Carolina hung in there the second quarter. I will give them that, but got shut out in the second half. So maybe it's my fault, you know what, for not making it clear. Right. It's my fault for not saying second half or yeah, I should have said second half. You need to also uh, stay consistent. So that's on me. Right. Because I feel like anytime I talk on the podcast on at Locked on Heels, I feel like I send good juju to the guys. Like, okay, this is what you need to do. I'm coaching you up. I ain't played it down in my life, but I know what I see. And I know that you need to do this X, Y, Z, period. And so maybe it was on me for not saying, hey, for the second half. You have to play just as strong as the first half. So I'm, I'm going to get that on myself, right? I, did, I didn't go hard enough to ensure that these guys played a full game. Now, my last uh, number five key observation for Friday was special teams. Give us something. I just wanted something. Daz Newsome, Michael Carter, run it back for us one time. Mr. Atkins, make all your kicks. And I will give it to Grant. Okay, he made all his little one field goal. Okay, I shouldn't say little because that was a big field goal. It kept us in the conversation. But he, he, kept, he kept us in the game in the half, made us feel like we had a chance, but there was no kick returns, no punt returns. Not what you need if you want to be in the top four national conversation. If you want to be up with the big boys, you got to play fire from all cylinders. And that is just not what Carolina did. There's just no excuse. You know, to me, if we want to hold our heads to be this big top dog energy, we're just so good. We're Carolina. We have the swag. We got the Jordan brand. You've got to deliver. And you can't deliver on teams that aren't really that good. Like, okay, you knocked out NC State. You dominated Duke. Like, all right, cool. But they had, mm, you know, just, okay, right? You, you see it. I ain't got to tell y'all because y'all know. 
We a family here. We we get it, right? I ain't got to go in because y'all y'all understand what I'm saying. All I know is I'm not mad at the loss. I'm really not because it's Notre Dame. They're on a roll. Not a no. I hope they do the damn thing. At this point, I hope they dominate Clemson again. Cool. I'm upset because I feel like we give ourselves such we set such high standards for ourselves. And when there's opportunities to deliver on said standards, we don't step up in ways that leave me feeling like, hey, you know what? If we lost, cool. We did everything we possibly could. And I just don't feel like offensively we did everything we possibly could to be successful on the day. And you guys what you have to hang your hat on, and that's cool. But if you shut down our most important part of our game, <laughs> It's going to make for a long day. And I will give all the praise to that defense because, baby, they was tired. And they tried. They tried so hard. And I just, you know, you can only do so much when you got three and outs coming at you every five seconds. When you're already young, you're already gassed, right? You already probably aren't in the best of the shapes. <laughs> I, I, but I'll give it to them. They did what they had to do. So next up, we'll have the Tar Heels host Western Carolina on December 5th, their lone non-conference game. It'll be at high noon. Let's get it in, get it done, period. I'm totally fine with that. And so that'll be that game this coming here Saturday. All right, so there's my football for the day. Make sure you download, subscribe to at Locked on Heels on Twitter. Download, subscribe to that too, because I'm, I'm ready and locked and loaded every single weekend to give you guys the hottest takes when it comes to these football games. More importantly, though, I got to give you some takes on basketball. As you know, I'm growing in this phase. I'm trying to get better about my hoops knowledge. I'm going to bring you the insiders so they can give you their expertise. And we're just going to have ourselves a good time on here. We've got Carolina having a big old game on this Monday, on this gloomy Monday in the Carolinas. They're in Asheville, though. Hopefully it's just uh, overcast, but it's all good because they'll be inside. Carolina has a game today. Let's talk about it next on Locked on Tar Heels. All right, folks, as you know, I am on this new fitness journey since retiring from swimming. I have been looking for great treats to stay fit but keep me nice and toned. That's why I've leaned on Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. With 18 amazing flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate, Built Bar is even more delicious. If you're a health-conscious person like me, you'll enjoy Built Bar because it's a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. Head to BuiltBar.com now and use promo code... Locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Final thoughts of the day, the priceless gym segment of the day, your favorite time. Yes, it is. I'm so glad you've been listening this long. Again, make sure you download, subscribe to the podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, if not, give me some feedback, write a review, leave five stars, okay? Let me know how you want it to get better, all that good stuff. I listen, and I t- if you talk to me, I certainly talk back. All right, so Carolina returns to action this November 30th through December 2nd, so Monday through Wednesday, at the Camping World Maui Invitational, which is going to be played in Harris Cherokee Center in Asheville, North Carolina. So a game that's supposed to be in Hawaii. We all know with the pandemic, things are getting shifted around. So we go from Hawaii to Asheville, which is, you know, the same thing in your head, right? Cool. (laughs) The Tar Heels will play UNLV, the University of Las Vegas, in the quarterfinals at 7 p.m. tonight on ESPN2. Alabama or Stanford will be the opponent on day two. Davidson, Indiana, Providence, or Texas are on the other side of the bracket. 
Now, when we give some Maui Invitational history, Carolina has won the Maui Invitational four times, 99 through 2000, under head coach Bill Guthridge, and 04, 05, 08, 09, and 2016-2017 year under Roy Williams. Williams, who we all know is a native of Asheville, won the Maui Invitational in 96-97 as head coach at, at Kansas. His teams are 18-2 and two in the Maui Invite. All right. Carolina is 20-3 and three at the Maui Invitational. They are 18-3 and three in Maui and 2-0 and oh in Chapel Hill. These will be Carolina's first games in Asheville since be- beating UNC Asheville to open Kimmel Arena in 2013. Now, UNLV. Let's talk about our opponent. UNLV is 0-1 after a 91-78 loss to Montana State. Carolina is 4-1 against UNLV. The last meeting was a 79-73 victory in Chapel Hill on 2012 when you have a throwback named Dexter Strickland led five Tar Heels in double figures. All right now, this is the sixth game between the two schools in the sixth different city. Bam. So, Carolina, UNLV. Uh, You know, I wish I could say, like, all right, Carolina – we're coming up against a UNLV team who's probably feeling a way about losing to a Montana State. So we're going to have to bring our A game. And if you, again, looked at the College of Charleston game, it's not going to be a gimme, right? But I'm hoping that when you have guys like Andrew Playtech and Garrison Brooks who are like, man, I did not come out how I thought I would. I did not have the opening performance that I wanted to have. And so I'm going to go out a little bit harder. And, you know, maybe he'll match Daron Sharp's energy, Garrison Brooks, Caleb Love is coming off. Hopefully his back's feeling all right as he tries to lead the squad yet again. R.J. Davis, as the rotation keeps going, we're just going to keep it moving, right? And we're going to listen to Roy Williams throughout the week as he gives his thoughts on how the invite is going, how games are broken down, and we'll just keep it pushing as we do because at the end of the day, it's too early to tell and gauge about how these guys are, right? It's too early to give them rankings, in my opinion, as you saw Kansas lost to University of Richmond. Why did I say that, Kansas? Sorry. I meant Kentucky. I had Kansas on the brand because I have Roy Williams on the brand. Kentucky lost to Richmond, right? And it's just one of those things where we had, what was it, San Francisco beat, oh my goodness, who was it? Was it Baylor? Maybe. I don't know. That's going to bother me. Hold on, people. I got to make sure I get this right because that's going to disturb my peace. (laughs) But San Francisco had the coach who was 35 years old already making plays and taking down some good teams. So stunning Virginia. There it was. Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. San Francisco stunned Virginia. Villanova lost to Virginia Tech. Okay. So it's anybody's day when we have college basketball. And I want to tell you, this is the year where anything can happen. So don't blink because you might miss it. Anybody could, you know, come in, feel themselves because we're all trying to learn. We saw Duke almost lose the compensate for a minute, came back a 10 point difference, but it wasn't that 10 points that, you know, when people start shooting free throws and the game starts getting away from you, all that good stuff. But hey, anybody's game this year, 2020 is full of craziness. Why not just throw everybody's name in the hat? I don't think you should give rankings till at least 10 games in, but here we are. So hopefully Carolina comes out with a W, but we will keep our fingers crossed certainly, and we'll just keep it on pushing, all right, period. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great rest of your 
Monday on this gloomy again in the Carolinas. But more importantly, you stay smart and stay safe out there. You wear your mask. Hey, also, if you want to hear me talk more college football, please check out Locked on College Football Monday show. It's a Locked on College Football podcast. Every single Monday, I get to talk to a lot of guys from the Locked on Podcast Network, guys in the part of the college channel, talking to me about their respective teams. I had TCU, um, Stephen Simcox on, and I also had Texas A&M's Cole Thompson talking to me from their respective networks. So give it a listen. Let me know if you would love to have the national football conversation at Candace D. Cooper. I always can talk sports with you. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. And I will leave you with my usual stay smart, wear a mask, and as always, go Heels. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.